mercy I jump in because we're standing on of your holy name Lord we bow come on and what it's an awesome God how great thou art
doesn't make much sense. You say, "Me no quarry for." Mommy, Say one more time. Say.
Shalom, 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 shalom. Shalom, even in the people of God. Shalom, even in church. Please, I believe you are all doing well. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. I thank God for your lives. By the special grace of God, myself and my family, we are doing well. The Lord bless you and keep all of you strong in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Wow. We give God praise. We give God praise. I'm so excited to meet you once again this evening. I believe the Lord is going to help us and grant us divine grace even to experience his goodness in Jesus precious mighty name hallelujah man of God Adam Fopa God bless you God bless you I want to use this opportunity to congratulate you once again the Lord bless you and favor you and your entire family in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus God bless you God bless you man of God God bless you and I also received the birthday wish from the entire family that um, I think the first daughter wished me and I was I was very excited very very excited God bless you God bless you hallelujah God bless you my regards to all of them tell them I will see them very very soon and they will also see me very very soon the Lord bless you hallelujah all right the Lord bless you people of God and favor you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I want to welcome all of you to this evening session of our prophetic training experience. Here we understand God through his word. Hallelujah. And I believe that this evening the Lord is going to help us and grant us divine understanding. Even in Jesus precious mighty name. Amen. Alright, let's take a quick word of prayer. Let's take a quick word of prayer. Eternal Father, we give you praise. Mighty one of Israel, be thou glorified. Once again, your people have gathered under your feet, even to glean wonderful truths, even from your vineyard. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that your mercies will locate us, your grace will be strong upon us. Let your light shine upon us. Your word says that the entrance of thy word giveth light, and it giveth understanding, living unto the simple. We pray that the light of your word will shine upon us, and grant us understanding, even as the simple ones, and let us come to the place of greater understanding, even in your word. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, if there is any form of ignorance that is in us, we pray that the light of your word will expose it. Cause us to be strong in your word, that we may overcome every agenda of the wicked one. We give you praise, we give you glory, even for your mercies and your grace. In Jesus precious mighty name amen hallelujah 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 
Aleluya. All right, all right. We give God praise. And we give Him glory for this wonderful experience. Even in, in His Word. Hallelujah. Okay, before we move on to what the Lord has for us this evening, um, let me give two people the opportunity to ask any question. Two people, two people. The opportunity to ask any question. Only two people. So if you have any question, be fast. If you become the third person, um, I will not answer yours because we need to talk about what the Lord has for us this evening. Okay. Any question? Any question? Any question? Okay, all right. If there is no question, then let's quickly jump into... Okay, somebody said, sir, concerning dressing. Anytime I see a lady in church with trousers, I become some way. Can you please talk about dressing for me? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a lady wearing trousers. The only wrong thing is the person that is looking at the lady or either the lady's motive for wearing the, the trouser. There is nowhere in the Bible that the word of the Lord says if a lady wears trousers, it is, it is a sin. There is nothing like that in the Bible. Are you listening to me? Just that if the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you, there are certain things you will not wear. Are you listening to me? If the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you and you listen to him and obey his voice, you will not put on just anything. But when a lady wears trousers, it is not a sin. So don't forget that. And when a lady puts on wig, it is not a sin. But there can be other spiritual implications in whatever they put on. That is why you need to be spiritually discerning. Are you getting it? Because not all the wigs we put on our head are artificially made. Some of them are actually human hair. They took it from a certain human being. And only God knows the kind of processes that it has been through. I watched a, a documentary years back when um, some Indians were shaving their hair and they were presenting them to their God as a form of sacrifice. Now some of these things, they will take them through some washings and things and they will bring them to most countries for them to buy. And mostly it is Africans that will buy because when you go to places like the U.S., their hair is not like we the Africans. We have our, our hair so barry like that. 
Are you getting it? But then some, most of the hair that people also put on are artificial. They just create them. It is not a sin. The Bible never said anything like that. But if somebody puts on any wig that is not of a good source, it can bring certain um, spiritual implications to the person. And that is why sometimes we advise people to be a bit spiritual when it comes to putting on certain things to adorn themselves. Are you getting it? Good. So there is nothing like if a lady wears trousers, it is bad. There is nothing like that. First, it is dependent on the motive of the lady who is wearing the trouser. Sometimes even that motive alone can determine the kind of trouser she will wear. Because not all ladies' trousers are the same. There are some of them when you wear them, you know that this one is a bit decent. But there are some of them too. They have cut some of the places. So while the lady is wearing it, you can see the ties. See? They call them tattered jeans, crazy jeans. So it is dependent on the motive. Somebody wears jeans as a lady just to let men look at her and last after her. That's her motive. Somebody too wears the normal trousers just because it is a trouser. Are you getting it? So we should take note of that. When a lady puts on trousers, it is not a sin. And when a lady puts on wig, it is not a sin. All right. So take note of that. There are certain people who will be looking at a lady in trousers and they will just be lasting after the lady. You are the one that has the issue, not the lady. Sometimes the lady does not even have that mentality at all, but you are the one lasting after her. Because at that same time, you are not the only guy there. Other guys are there, but they are not lasting after the same lady in the same trousers. That means you are the issue, not the lady. So at that point, work on yourself. Are you getting my point? So we should understand all these basic things. All right, that's great. Okay, somebody also asked the question. I'm taking only two. I'm taking only two because we have a lot of things to talk about. Someone said, man of God, please, why is it that prophecy will come with date and when the date comes, it's not fulfilled? It is not all prophecies. There are some prophecies when the date comes, they get fulfilled. Mm, so don't generalize the whole thing. Some people were prophesied upon, they were given dates. The thing, sometimes the thing can even manifest before the date. That one too does not mean it was a lie. Are you getting it? Because when it comes to, I've answered this question several times. Yes, I've answered this question several times. There are many reasons why some prophecies do fail. And about 99.9% .9 it is not about the prophet. It is about you. This is the reason why 
Even mostly when you receive a prophecy and you are not spiritually sensitive, you can miss it. Because every prophecy and the kind of conditions that will come with it. There are some prophecies when you receive them, you should continue to fast till you see them manifest. If you start eating, you will miss it. But this one, the prophet will not tell you. That sister, this is what the Lord is going to do. So start fasting now from today. They will not tell you that. Because we see in part and we prophesy in part. We don't see the whole thing. That's not how God reveals things to us. So when you are prophesied upon, it is by reason of the intimate relationship you have with the Holy Spirit that you will know what you are supposed to do in order to see the prophecy manifest. That some people, when they receive a prophecy, they lose appetite. When they receive a prophet, ah, there's a traveling door about to open for you. They lose appetite all of a sudden. Now that appetite you have lost, the Holy Spirit is trying to take you through a school. Go through it so that you, you will see the manifestation of it. Because if you force yourself to eat when you don't have appetite for food, you can abort the manifestation of your prophecy. Because it could be that the spirit that will rise against your prophecy, it will be... A, that's what will be among the category that Jesus said. This kind goeth not except by prayer and fasting. There are kinds of spirits. If you have not fasted and prayed, you cannot cast them out. So you see, we need to understand all these basic things. And then these things, you will only know these things when you fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Are you getting my point? That is the reason why if you always come to receive prophecy, you are always receiving prophecy, you are always receiving prophecy. Abundance of prophecy is not abundance of manifestation. You can receive plenty of prophecies in a week and still not see anything. And don't go and blame the prophet. What have you done? Now some of you, the prophecies you have received, when you go into prayer, the Holy Spirit will actually let you know that if you continue to stay at the location where you live, you will never see the manifestation. You need to pack your things and move from where you are to a different place. The prophet might not tell you. It is by the leading of the Spirit that you will know. And that some of you, that's your issue now. If you continue to stay at, in that house that you are staying, it will be very difficult for you to see the manifestation of the prophecy. Once you move, you start seeing it. Are you getting it? It is not everything that a prophet can tell you. That is why it is the responsibility of the prophet to teach you how to go to God and spend time with the Holy Spirit alone. If your whole life is dependent on what a prophet says, you, you miss a lot of things because the prophet is also a man. There are moments where even the prophet can get the prophecy wrong. At certain point, it is the Holy Spirit in you that can correct the prophetic word for you. That is why mostly whenever you receive a prophecy, a matured person will always see a new prophecy as a confirmation. Because the Holy Ghost will tell you before the prophet speaks to you about. That is if you continue to stay in that intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Are you getting it? All right, all right, great, great. We give God all the glory. 
All right, people of God, I want to start a certain message and um, talk about the seven ascents of the believer. The seven ascents of the believer. When I speak of ascents, I'm talking about ascensions. The seven lifting stages, the seven maturity stages of the believer. Are you following? Good. Now let me lay a certain foundation for all of us to understand. The word of the Lord said in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. The Bible is speaking of God and the word of the Lord said, Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? Who will... Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? Can you all hear me, please? That means it is the will of God that all men should be saved. It is the will of God. And He wants all men to be saved. But then it is not only salvation that God wants for all men. He also wants deceived men to come to the knowledge of the truth. And when we talk of the truth, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father except through me. So the truth that the word of the Lord is actually speaking about is speaking of Christ. So God wants us to be saved, but then we also need to come to the knowledge of the truth because salvation is not enough. Are you following Salvation is not enough. And you see, I've already told you that Christ is a school. Christ is not just a person. So there is who Christ is and there is what Christ is. There is who Christ is and there is what Christ is. In fact, there is even when Christ is. And anytime you hear the word when, we are actually speaking of a time. Are you following? So, do you know that even in this world that we find ourselves, our date and time and everything revolves around the Lord Jesus Christ? So there was an age known as the BC, 
which speaks of before Christ. Before Christ. And there is also an age called AD, which speaks of Anno Domini. And Anno Domini actually means in the age of the Lord or in the year of the Lord. It is not after death, as some of you think it is. The AD means after death. That's not what it means. Are you following? It is Anno Domini, in the year or in the age of the Lord. Now they are still speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. So why is that even the secular date that we have is surrounding Christ and still people don't believe in Christ? That should let you know that men have hardened their hearts. So Christ is, there is what, there is when Christ is. When we speak of the when, we are talking about the time. There is who Christ is and there is also what Christ is. When we speak of what Christ is, we are actually talking about the school God bless you. We are talking about the school that teaches God. When, when I say teaches God, I'm talking about the school that will teach you God. So Christ is the university of God. There is no way anybody can know God without Christ. Because Christ is the chosen dimension of God to reveal God. That is why he's known as the image and the glory of God. And I've already told you that when we speak of the glory of a thing, we are talking about that which reveals the thing. So as you are in your room right now, you can say, oh, there is electricity power here. The reason why you can say there is electricity power is not because you have actually seen the power with your eyes, but that you have seen a certain bulb that has lighted up. You have seen a certain television that you, are, you can watch. So the bulb and the television, they are the glorification of electricity power. They are actually revealing to you that there is a certain power somewhere that your eyes cannot see. Are you following? So the word of the Lord has already told us that God, he dwells in a light that cannot be approached. God dwells in an unapproachable light. And like that, even angels that dwell with God in heaven cannot approach. How much more we mortal men that are on the earth? It will be very difficult for us to even know who God is. But then God has appointed a dimension of him so that he will reveal himself through. And that dimension of God is the Christ. So without Christ, no one knows God. That is the reason why the word of the Lord said, Great Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible said, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit 
Then look at this part. Seal of angels. So it was when God came into the flesh that even angels saw him. That means all the angels that are with God in the heavenly realms, they have not even seen God. Are you following? That is why even after all the encounters Moses had, even after all the encounters Moses had, that the word of the Lord told us how Moses saw God, the back of God, how Moses and the 70 elders went to sit on the mountain, God came down, they, they ate together, after all these things, many, many, many years later, when Jesus was born, Jesus made a certain statement. In the book of John chapter 1, verse 18, listen to what Jesus said. He said, no man has seen God at any time. What? No man has seen God at any time. He said, it is the only begotten son which is in the bosom of the father. He has declared him. Look at that. The International Standard Version says, No one has ever seen God. The unique God who is close to the Father's side has revealed him. The unique God. Other version says, The begotten Son. So what did Moses see? Was it not God? Because after many years, Jesus is telling us that nobody has ever seen God except the begotten Son who has come to reveal God. That means that without Jesus' revelation of God, whatever you think you know about God is not God. That is the reason why there is only one way to the Father, Christ. Because that is the way God has chosen for him to be known. Are you listening to me? Anybody that tells you that many ways to God has lied to you. They want to destroy your soul. Don't believe in them. There is only one way to God. That is Christ. Anybody that would, oh, it's not true, there are many ways to God. They will lead you outside the pathway. Because Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is only one way to, to the Father, that is Christ. So Christ is the revelation of God. If any man wants to know God, know Christ. And that is why Christ is also a school. When you are enrolled in the school, you are on a journey to know God. So the word Paul said, even to the Ephesian church, in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20, Paul said, but ye have not so learned Christ. He said, you have not learned Christ. That means Christ is a body of knowledge. Christ is like a course. Christ is like a program that we read. We learn Christ. Are you listening to me? 
then we have now explained who Christ actually is. Christ is the revelation of the Father. Now, the word of the Lord also told us in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The book of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible said, Who being the brightness of his glory? So Christ is the brightness of the glory of God and the express image of his person. I want somebody to read it from the Amplified Version. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Amplified Version. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Amplified Version. I want somebody to read it for me. The Bible said, the Bible said in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, the word of the Lord said, Who being the outshining of his glory, the outshining of his glory, The outshining of the glory. Can you all hear me, please? Can you all hear me, please? Good. Now, this version says that the sun is the radiance and the only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light beam, the brilliant light of the divine, and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his father's essence. <clears throat> and upholding and I don't forget the point. He said, the Son, which is Christ, is the radiance and the only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light beam, the brilliant light of the divine, and the exact representation and perfect imprint. So when we speak of Christ, the King James will also tell us that he is the express image of the Father. The express image of the Father. Let's take this as an example that you want to see that many of you who have not seen me before, but then you have seen my picture. Are you listening to me? So the image of myself that you have seen is actually what would let you know how I look like. 
So Christ is the very image of God. If you want to see God, look at Christ. Are you getting it? Good. So now I've explained the expression of the glory. Then I've also explained the image. So we need to understand that. Without Christ, God cannot be revealed. Christ is the revelation of God. It's as simple as that. Are you following? Good. Now, if Christ is the express image of God, if Christ is the express image of God, the word of the Lord said something in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. This is God speaking. And he said, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let us make man in our image. Now we just understood in the book of Hebrews 1 verse 3 that Christ is the image of God. Now God is saying that he wants to make man in his image. So what at all do you think that God is trying to do here? I want, I want somebody to, to think through and, and tell me. Christ is the image of God. Now God said, let us make man in our image. What do you think God is trying to do? Say something, say something. The gift of tongues. I see Someone said, a replica. Okay, somebody said, he's trying to make man like Christ. Exactly. Exactly. So, the, the God actually looked at Christ to make man. It's as simple as that. When God was making man, he was looking at Christ. So the very purpose of man is Christ. The very purpose, the sole purpose of man is Christ. You were made like Christ. And who is Christ? Christ is the re revelation of God. Christ is the express image and the glory of God. Are you following? No wonder the word of the Lord also says that man is the image and the glory of God. In the book of 1 Corinthians 11 verse 7, the Bible said, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and the glory of God. Man is the image and the glory of God. We understood that this one was Christ, who is the express image and the glory of God. 
in Hebrews 1.3. But now, 1 Corinthians 11.7 is telling us that man is the image and the glory of God. That means God actually made man to be like Christ. When you look at the word man there, it can also speak of mankind. Are you following? Good. Now, with this understanding, man was originally made by God to actually be like Christ, expressing his dominion on earth. Now, do you know that the word of the Lord said in the book of Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. There was a time where the whole Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit were manifested in one entity. And that entity that the entire Godhead manifested was Jesus. Are you following? Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. The Bible says, For in him all the fullness of deity, the Godhead, dwells in bodily form, completely expressing the divine essence of God. Can I, can I show you the secret? God made man in a way that it will only be the man he has made that can express his total fullness and his total glory. There is nothing in the universe of God that can express God like man. Nothing. There is nothing in the universe, in the creation of God, that can reveal God's glory like man. Are you following? No wonder man is the only entity that can carry all the Godhead, the Father, the, the, the Son, and the Spirit at the same time. So the word of the Lord said, God chose Jesus, who was a man. To reveal the entire fullness of the Godhead. Are you following? So in Christ Jesus, in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily, in bodily form. He said, completely expressing the divine essence of God. You were made to express the fullness of God. And that expression of God's fullness is the dimension of the express image and the glory of God. But then what actually happened to man? 
now we have understood what we call the chemistry of God where I told us that the image of God actually speaks of the character of God the very DNA the essence that which is inherent that which makes God God is his image are you following good now I told you that the day man ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil he lost something called the DNA of God he lo- that DNA of God speaks of the character of God the very image of God himself that which make man that which will make man look like God that which will make man express the very character of God man lost it and from that moment we began to express something that is different from God. All of a sudden, man began to have malice, envy, all those kind of things. These things are not found in God. That DNA of God that was supposed to express the very character of God, we lost it. So we couldn't express any good thing in God were expressing something different. But the beautiful part of this whole thing is that the Lord Jesus Christ came and he restored what we lost unto us. But take note of this. The restoration that Jesus restored unto us take note, was through what we call the born-again experience. I don't want to go back and say plenty things. I'm just trying to cut things short so that we all will understand what I'm talking about. Somebody said, said it. Don't worry, when I'm done, you, you ask your questions. When we say God is a jealous God, we are not talking about the jealousy of man. That jealousy of man that they... <laughs> no, 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 no. You see, there are many things in the Bible that we term anthropomorphism. What it means is that sometimes because we want to understand God... God makes his communication to us in a form of, you know, bringing things to our level so that we understand. Are you getting it? For example, when we say the eyes of the Lord rangeth to and fro of the whole earth, it does not mean God has eyes like your physical eyes. God is not a man. Are you listening to me? But he expresses himself in a dimension of man so that he will let us know him. So the reason why we read the Bible, the hand of God, the nostrils of God can blast this and this, this, it does not mean God has a loose, God has this, God, all these, they are, term, they are known as anthropomorphism. When we pick 
certain human characters to explain dimensions of God. That many things when we enter into heaven, we will know they are actually not something we thought they were. And a very great example is the throne of God. <laughs> we'll come to that side. The throne of God. The throne of God is not like a two-fold throne, which he is sitting on. God is a spirit. When we talk of the throne of God, it is a whole system on its own. Are you getting it? The throne of God is a whole system. That is why when we read the book of Isaiah chapter 66 verse 1 Isaiah chapter 66 verse 1 listen to what the Bible says it said, Thus saith the Lord the heaven is my throne He didn't say in, in heaven there is my throne He said the heaven so the whole heaven is God's throne now how can you imagine that <laughs> the whole heaven now we know that angels are in heaven the 24 elders are in heaven the four living creatures are in heaven we have the seraphim we have all those angelic hierarchy they are all in heaven but now God is saying the whole heaven is my throne heaven is not a chair that God is sitting on are you getting my point so when you hear of the throne of God it is not necessarily a chair that God is sitting on. That you, some of you will picture a, a certain white a man, an old man with white beard. Wearing a long sleeve white thing that is he. The Lord will help us. If you see any of these things in visions, it is just for you to understand. That's why in, in, in the prophetic there are symbolisms. Nobody sees things as they are. Are you listening to me? So when you read the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12, now listen to what Paul is saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Yet for now, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as I am known. Let me read from the ISV. He said, Now we see only an indistinct image in a mirror but when we will be face to face but then we will be face to face he said for now in this time of imperfection we see in a mirror dimly a blurred reflection a riddle an enigma but then when the time of perfection comes we will see reality face to face did you hear that now, every vision that we keep seeing, it is just a reflection. But then a time is coming 
when the which is called the time of perfection when that time comes we are not actually going to see things in in symbols again we will see things face to face are you following we will see things as they are oh amazing and that is when many of us will be shocked especially some of the evangelists and the way they preach <laughs> because you see we'll come there the Lord will help us amen so let's let's understand these things are you following So now, we lost this essence, this image, this character of God, which was Christ. And we couldn't express God again. That means the very fabric of our being, the very purpose of our makeup was distorted. That is why it took only Christ to come and do it again. Because he was the one that God looked upon to make us. There was no body in the heavenly realm who could have come down to you see, to, to rearrange things. It was only Christ. So what Jesus Christ actually came to do was not necessarily to save you from your sins, but he needed to do that one too. It is called redemption. Redemption is not the full work of Christ. Are you listening to me? Because there is a difference between re redemption and regeneration. Being born again. Being born again is different from being forgiven. Do you remember that a time came, somebody sinned and Jesus said, Go, thy sins have been forgiven. Do you remember that? But then he had not even died on the cross. And the Pharisees got angry. They said, ah, it is only God that has power to forgive sins. Look at this man saying that somebody has been forgiven. Who are you? So, the blood of Jesus has redeemed us. But then, it his death, the death of Jesus is what redeemed us. But his resurrection is what made us born again. Are you following? When you read the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Listen to what Peter is, is telling us. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. That is born again. He has given birth to us again 
unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That means our born again experience is through Jesus' resurrection. Let me explain a little bit further. When you put maize in the soil, we all know what you are looking for. Are you getting it? The maize must die. But when the maize dies, it must also germinate. It is not supposed to remain dead. It must die and get rotten and also bring forth life. But the next time that the maize is germinating, it is not supposed to come alone. It is supposed to come with other maize. So you can put only three grains in the soil, but after two months, you can go to the same place and harvest over over 10,000. Are you getting it? So putting the maize under the soil is the death. But then it is only when it was germinating that it brought forth other maize. That means that it is only through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are also raised from the dead. And we've been raised because we were already dead in our sins. Jesus came to join us in death and his resurrection brought us also from the dead. And you coming out of the dead is what we call being born again. Are you listening to me? That is the reason when you read the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that whole chapter was talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There were certain categories of people known as the Sadducees who never believed in anything like spirit, angel, or resurrection. They never believed in anything called resurrection. So Paul said, Paul made this statement, he said, if Christ had died and had not resurrected, would have been the most miserable people in the world. As for the death day, he died, oh, but Senkawan Soria, So we mostly talk about the death of Christ sir, and we forget the resurrection. Meanwhile, without the resurrection, we are useless, we are miserable. But none of our teachers have spent time to go into the matter of resurrection. What at all is in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ? Why then do we sing a lot of songs about his resurrection? Why do we sing certain songs like he's the living God? Why do we add living to his name? Why is it that we speak, we, we rejoice because of his resurrection? There is something in resurrection we do not know. It is connected to us. Your faith is in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody can die. Anybody can die. But nobody can resurrect. Are you listening to me? So let's take note of that. So it is through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are brought forth. We are, we are made born again. But now listen to something here. How were we born again? The word of the Lord said, 
in the book of first peter chapter 1 verse 23 first peter chapter 1 verse 23 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. The Bible said, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. We were born of the seed of the word of God. Are you getting now whenever you hear the word seed you should you take note of this that the very dimension of Christ that was in us that we lost in the garden of Eden through the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil Jesus Christ brought it to us but this time around he brought it in the form of a seed so the Bible said in the book of first John chapter 3 verse 9 first John Chapter 3, verse 9. The word of the Lord said, Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him. So whenever you are born again, there is a seed of God in you. Whenever you are born again, there is a seed of God in you. Now, that seed that is in you is not supposed to remain a seed. It is supposed to grow from being a seed to a tree that bears fruits. Are, are you following? Good. So that seed of Christ that is in you is not supposed to remain a seed. It is supposed to grow. Nobody wants a seed to be seed. You put the seed under the soil, waiting for it to grow, to become a tree that will bear other fruits. Now, there are phases that the seed will go through. Now, we all know, those of us who did agricultural science, we have learned how seed, the seed will go through certain stages to become a tree to bear fruits. Now, the stages that the seed will go through to become a tree that will bear fruits is actually known as the seven ascents of the believer. We are the ones going through all the stages to mature and become a tree of life that will bear fruits unto God. Are you following? Good. Now, so the highest stage is called the stage of perfection. The stage of perfection. Now, perfection does not mean sinlessness. It is not about sin at all. Are you listening to me?
So you see, we all know that, how many of us, we know that Jesus will come again. How many of us know that Jesus will come again? He will appear the second time according to the word of God. Now, to Christians, what is Jesus coming to do? Because he's appearing the second time, he will appear. But then there will be different dimensions or different categories of people that his appearance will appear to in different ways. So when Jesus is appearing, sinners will be afraid. When he's appearing, Christians will rejoice. The same appearance. But two categories of people are experiencing two different things. Now, when you read the book of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, listen to what the Bible said. The Bible said, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him. Listen to that. There are certain people who are looking for Jesus. They are waiting for him to come again. He said, Unto them that look for him, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Let's read it from different versions. If you read it from the New Living Translation for me, I will be very excited. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. Good. This one said, Christ, having been offered once and once for all to bear as a burden the sins of many, will appear a second time when he returns to earth, not to deal with sin, but to bring salvation to those who are eagerly and confidently waiting for him. Look at that. So to those of us who are waiting for the Lord Jesus, he's not coming to deal with sin because he has already dealt with our sin long time when he came the first time. So his second appearance is not to deal with our sin. Oh, I don't know if somebody's getting it. <laughs> As if some evangelists have never read this scripture. They keep throwing dust in the ears of Christians. So a believer is in check. Yes, oh, 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 oh. With that, we are waiting for him. The word of the Lord said, He's not coming to deal with sin, but He's bringing salvation to all of us who are eagerly waiting for him. What salvation is that? The word of the Lord calls it the redemption of our bodies. That is when our bodies are going to be saved. What it means is that this body will change and we are going to receive our glorious bodies. That is all. Are you following? But then, when Jesus descends, an atmosphere of perfection, it is called the time of perfection, when he will come to perfect all things. Are you following? There are, there are some scriptures that are in the Bible that are beautiful. 
When you read the book of Acts chapter 3, verse 21, Acts chapter 3, verse 21, when you read from verse 20, Acts chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, the Bible said, The times of refreshment will come. Oh, there is a time coming. It is called the times of refreshment. He said, the times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Verse 21. For he must remain in heaven. So as he is in heaven, he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. Did you hear that? He didn't say he will be there till the time that God will destroy the whole world. No. Right now, even if you open your mouth to say, they will say you are a false teacher, you are a false prophet. Meanwhile, the word of the Lord has told us that Jesus will come, but for now, he will remain in heaven until the time. That time is called the times of refreshing. I've never seen any refreshment that is people will be crying. You call wedding and you hear refreshment. When I cook, what I'm feeling is 87. Now I'm going to cook. I'm going to boil. I'm going to boil. I'm going to boil. It is called times of refreshment. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, this thing is trying to push me to eschatology, but I don't want to go there. But eschatology is beautiful. Anybody that will preach the end times to you and make you look so unconscious and so dark, we are missing the coin. Because the times of the end will be dark unto the world, not us. Are you listening to me? We are seeing soon, and we are for. That is why the Bible said, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. He said, Darkness will cover the earth. Take darkness, the people, but the Lord will arise upon you. He said, We are sending dear. We are sending dear. We are sending so We are sending dear. We are sending dear. We are sending dear. Go and ask the Israelites when they were in Egypt at a place called Goshen. When take darkness came upon the whole land of Egypt, Goshen had light. It is the same way God is going to do things. Because we are there thinking that the Honoman is a Sergi Na Osasian Nanisim Kutu, Nesrobo Bosekete. All these are apocalyptic language, but men are waiting for it to happen literally. And then I'm a bossa. Why don't you take time to study the scriptures? Huh? And the Christians who are there panicking. Because the time is coming, they say, hmm, as I said, Nani, say Nkutu. Nani, say Nkutu, and the bear balm of Gilead. Are you listening to me?
I know that some of you, the churches you fellowship with, will pastor so me more. I was sitting down with your pastor who opened the Bible. So for be Bible, you need to be free Bible. And come free baby, I will be a canoe. You can Bible, when you are a man, I'm telling you. Do you know what they have done to you? They have told you that. Our destination is heaven. So we are here, we should just try and quit sin so that we can go to heaven. And it, so you see, they've turned the whole plan of God upside down. Who told you that? The gift of tongues. Huh? Who told you that? So, upon all the revelation of God's eternal purpose and will in the Bible, this is what you can come out with. Heaven. No, do you even know heaven? When we talk of heaven, do you know heaven? God said, heaven is my throne. May the Lord have mercy on us. Let me calm down. Somebody just entered. Your name is Cecilia Bimpo. I'm praying for you. The grace of the Lord is coming so strong upon you. The moment you entered, I saw in the realm of the spirit, the Lord she opened my eyes, I saw an eagle flying in the sky, and I was following the eagle. I saw spiritually the eagle landed at a place like Oboasi. When the eagle landed at a place, I saw in the realm of the spirit, the, the claws of the eagle carried a certain young man I'm looking at right now. I saw a certain name like Joel, Joel in the spirit. The spirit of the Lord is ministering to me. Any arrow of death that the enemy has launched against anybody in your life around your family by name Joel, the Lord is speaking to me that that evil attack is destroyed in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. And I saw that after the eagle lifted Joel, I saw that it went further to lift another person they called Japhtha. And the spirit of the Lord is ministering to me. Japhtha too is also delivered, even from any sickness that will lead him to death. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, may the covering of the Lord be upon you and your entire family. And I pray for you, Cecilia, a door of traveling is about to be opened unto you. In Jesus' precious mighty name, I call it done. Let's teach. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> All right, so um, Pacho, you need to Amen. Ubi ampun kai baby edru, ukomi shaya modedodo. Good, good, good. Cecilia, do you know anybody they call Joel, Jafta? Do you know anybody? Do you know anything connecting to Oboasi? Anything? Okay, you are calling in. 
Cecilia, shalom. Cecilia. Shalom, Daddy. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. We thank God. We thank God. Do you know anybody around Obuasi? Yes, please. Who do you know there? That's where my father comes from. That's and where your father comes from. Like it. See, she said. You said that's where your father comes from. That's where I come from. I see. I see. Do you know anybody to the court, Joel? Yes, please. And my mom. Yes, please. He's my brother. Joel is your brother. Okay. What about Jephthah? Yes, please. He too is my brother. He's also your brother. Wow. The Lord is preserving both of them, okay? Yes, please. Any plot of death against them is cancelled. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. God bless you. God bless you. You and your enemy are Let's teach. Hallelujah. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> So you see, we have understood that Christ, as we are born again right now, we are not just supposed to be born again, keke. That is why 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4, the Bible says that God is willing that all men will be saved and also come to the knowledge of the truth. That we should not just say, okay, we, are, we have been saved. No, we should also come to the knowledge of the truth. And we came to understand that the truth is Christ. So when we get born again, we have the seed of God in us, the seed of Christ in us. And that seed is not supposed to remain a seed, but it's supposed to grow to become a tree that will bear fruits. And I said that the seed will go through seven main stages. And these seven stages actually speak, speak of the seven ascents or the seven progressive stages in our maturity um, process. Are you following? Good. Now, whenever a man is born again, the Bible calls the man an overcomer. Whenever a man is born again, the Bible calls the man an overcomer. When you read the book of 1 John, First John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. 
verse 4. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. The Bible said, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. NLT says, for every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. This version also says that for everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Our continuing persistence Faith in Jesus, the Son of God. This one also says, Every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. Message. <laughs> the conquering power that brings the world to its knees. It's our faith. That means that whenever a man has faith in Christ, he is an overcomer. But this overcoming, or let me say, this overcoming dimension of that man is only for the world. Are you following? It is only the world that the person has overcome. And in fact, even that one, you did not overcome it yourself. Are you following? Even that one, you did not overcome it yourself. It was Jesus that overcame the world. And it was credited onto our account. In the book of John chapter 16 verse 33. John chapter 16 verse 33. Now Jesus said to the disciples... These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So it is actually Jesus who has overcome the world. And when you believe in him, his overcoming, let me say, title, or let me say, his overcoming power of the world is credited to your account. Message says, I've told you this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. But take heart, I have conquered the world. Take heart. So it was Jesus who conquered the world. And once we believe in him, that conquering ability and that conquering title that was given to him, he, he credited to our account. And that is the only dimension 
of overcoming that we can say we have overcome. But then there is another, other two dimensions of overcoming that we really need to understand. Because when you begin to read the Bible in the book of Revelation, in the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, when we're talking about understanding the revelation of Jesus, you remember that in the seven churches, Jesus will always see when he was about to end his message to one of the any of the churches, you see, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh. I hope you remember that. All the people that he was talking to were Christians. That means they are people whose faith is in Christ, who have already overcome the world. But then there was something they needed to also overcome. So overcoming the world is not enough. I don't know if I'm getting my point. Overcoming the world is not enough. Are you following? So what are the other two things we need to overcome? Now take note. When we actually speak of the word to overcome, what it means here is that it is like being enrolled in a university for a four-year program. When you complete the four-year program and you receive your certificate, you have overcome that program. Are you listening to me? This is what the word overcoming actually means. So, there are two dimensions that we must also overcome after we have overcome the world through our faith in Christ. Now, these two things were actually found in the life of someone called Jacob. In the book of Genesis chapter 32, verse 24, in the book of Genesis chapter 32, verse 24 to 28, listen to what happened. The word of the Lord said, Genesis 32, verse 24 to 28. The Bible said, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the, the breaking of the day. And when he saw that, he prevailed not against him. When the man, or that being, saw that he couldn't prevail against Jacob, the Bible said, he touched the hollow of his thigh. Let me read it from other versions so that you can clearly get it. He said, This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he, he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip. Oh, what's the key word for hip?
where are the Ashantis? Someone said Wataso. Wataso is different from hip. Hip is like a boom. I love what somebody is saying. It is called it is called Wopa. Wopa. Say pa. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you following? Good. Your hip bone. Now, when the man realized that he couldn't win the match, the word of the Lord said, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Do you say when you look at your hip bone, it is actually in a certain socket. The man touched the thing and removed the bone out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go. For the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, there's a very powerful thing here. Why did the man touch the hip bone of Jacob? Why the hip bone? I have this in one of my, in one of my messages, which is the biology of God. We will talk about the skeletal system of man and how Every part reveals Christ. Are you following? Why the hip bone is an assignment? I saw a video that I was going to say it flat like that. Mumpebre, Mumpebre. The Holy Ghost sent from heaven. So go to the Holy Ghost, say, Holy Spirit, help me. Why the hip bone? Uh, why the hip bone? What is in the hip bone? Okay, let's go to the next verse. Verse 27. So now Jacob said he will not allow the man to go unless he blesses him. Now verse 27, he said, And he said unto him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Verse 28. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. And the word Israel means God prevails. God prevails. So we are talking about a prevailing thing here. Are you, are you listening to me? Okay. Good. So he said... From today, you are no more going to be called Jacob, but you'll be called Israel. Because as a prince, thou hast thou, he said, for as a prince hast thou power with God and men, and has prevailed. What he's trying to say here is that as a prince, he didn't even say as a man. 
said as a prince said the man said but no longer your name is no longer jacob from now it's israel you have wrestled with god then you have come through the hip is donku okay okay all right he said so he asked him what is your name and he said jacob and he said your name shall no longer be jacob but israel for you have struggled with god and with men and have prevailed now that word prevail there is actually speaking of you overcoming so there are two main dimensions now take note take note don't forget hmm? don't forget that the word of the lord calls christians the israel of god i hope you know that one i've already taught on the israel of god and we all know that and how we became israel so if you want to know more about that kindly go and um, listen to that sermon it will help you are you getting it good now so the name jacob being changed to israel has a connection with a certain overcoming ability and there were two points of that overcoming the first one is that he over he has overcome man and he has also overcome god so aside overcoming the world the two other dimensions that we need to overcome is man is yourself and second god Are you following? What does it mean to overcome man? And what does it mean to overcome God? Now, these two dimensions of overcoming, it is not our faith in Christ that gives it to us. It is our work. It was the wrestling of Jacob that enabled him to overcome, even to now receive the name Israel. So it is a there is what we call the works. So in our work with God, there is what our faith gives to us, and there is what our works also give to us. Are you listening to me? Now, when we talk of works, we need to really understand it well. It is by faith that you are saved. It is by faith you are saved. The word of the Lord said in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, the Bible said, For we are saved by grace through faith. So salvation is by grace through faith. But then, growing in the stages and overcoming as a believer is not by faith, it is by works. And what is the works? What you do with the Christ that is on the inside of you. And there are two main dimensions that we need to overcome. 
The first one is yourself, man. And the second one is God. That means that when it comes to man, there are certain things we are supposed to overcome. And when it comes to God, there are certain things we are supposed to overcome. Are you following? Now, this should let you understand that all Christians are not the same. Because some of you think, Christopher, we all will go to him. You don't understand anything. Now, let me explain some few things to you. Now, even when you want to talk about heaven, there is a pattern, there is a way that God has arranged the heaven. There is a way, a pattern, after which God has arranged the heaven. When you read the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, Verse 22. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. The Bible said, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and unto an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Now, all these things that we see Paul listing here, they are, they are heavy things. They are not just things he's saying. They are actually places in heaven. Are you listening to me? When you read the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, the word of the Lord says something. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 6. How we all know that we are seated in Christ. We all know that we are seated in Christ. But this sitting that we are in Christ is in places, not a place. There are places in Christ. There are, there are dimensions in Christ. Are you listening to me? So Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, the Bible said, And has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. To sit in heavenly places. Not heavenly place. He didn't just say heaven. He said heavenly places. There are places even in heaven. Are you following? 
So heaven is not one place like maybe your house. No. There are places in heaven. And according to Hebrews chapter 12 verse 22, there are seven main places that God has patterned the heaven. Seven main places. The highest place is called Mount Zion. Mount Zion is actually where in symbolism the throne of God is. Now, this is what God actually took Moses to heaven to show him. And he told Moses to build a tabernacle that will actually correspond to the pattern of heaven that he showed him. Now, even David, when he became king, he did exactly as Moses saw in heaven. So when you go to the entire land of Israel, there is also a place called Jerusalem, which is known as the city of David. And when you go to Jerusalem, you have to still go to another place in Jerusalem called Mount Zion. And that was where the palace of David was found. Zion. Are you listening to me? So it was patterned after the heavens. So when you go to heaven, the highest place in heaven is Mount Zion. And that's why Paul made mention of that one as the first. He said, but you have come to Mount Zion. Then later he said, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So Mount Zion is in heaven. Heavenly Jerusalem is also in heaven. Are you get So the vastness of heaven has these places in them. The highest of them all is a place called Mount Zion. That is where the throne of God is. These people actually entered into realms, I'm telling you. They entered into realms. They saw things. So Mount Zion, we will say that it is the palace where the palatial system of God is exhibited. Then when you come down, you come to what we call the, the heavenly Jerusalem or the new Jerusalem. Then from the new Jerusalem, you now move into a certain dimension known as the company of the angels of God. Then you now move to another dimension known as the general assembly of the firstborn who are registered as citizens in heaven. In fact, the innumerable company of angels is actually just like a dimension of these heavenly beings over there who will 
it is also a state though, but then it is not necessarily part of the seven ascents or seven stages. What it actually means is that angels are around us. Are you getting it? But then if you go to heaven and you look at the pattern, we have Mount Zion where the throne of God is. Then you step down into the city of the living God, known as. So when you go to Kumasi, for instance, we have Menshia and we have Menshia Palace. So Menshia will be the city of Otumfo, but then the palace will be his Mount Zion. I don't know if I'm getting the point. So Mount Zion is actually the the palace, the palace system of God. Then the the city of God actually speaks of the heavenly Jerusalem. <laughs> Are you getting it? Good. Now from that dimension. You move on to another category, aside the innumerable company of angels, which we all know. The next dimension is called the General Assembly, an assembly of the firstborn who are registered as citizens in heaven. That means there are people who are just registered as citizens in heaven. They have their realm in heaven. Are you following? Then from that dimension, you move on to the next dimension called the judge of all and unto God, the judge of all. That one is also a level. It is also a stage in our maturity. Then we now move to what we call the spirits of the righteous, the redeemed in heaven which have been made perfect, bringing them to their final glory. Homo sabahatis ebeles. Good. I will explain. I will explain when we get there. What it means is that the angels are just there to celebrate those who have overcome. That is what he's trying to say. It's a celebration of those who have overcome. Then the next one, after the spirit of just men made perfect, you come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And the last one is the blood of sprinkling. Are you following? good now god willing um if time permits us tomorrow we will pick each stage and go into details and really talk about them but one thing we need to understand is that we can achieve all these maturity stages whilst we are on earth are you listening to me there are certain believers when they die, based on their level of maturity, the only place they can be 
is the assembly of the righteous. They are just registered in heaven as citizens. Asan. It's called the camp of the saints. If a Christian, if somebody believes in Jesus today and dies today, that is where the person will be. Because he has already passed through the blood of sprinkling. He was washed by the blood and he came through Jesus Christ, who is the door, the mediator. You see, so he has now come to the place where he's just part of the, the firstborn church, the assembly, just registered as a citizen in heaven. But then there are certain people who are living on earth who are actually living a life that is the life of the heavenly Jerusalem, which is to come. That heavenly Jerusalem is actually what we call the new heaven and the new earth. But even that one, you are supposed to go beyond. You are supposed to come to Mount Zion and sit on the throne and rule with God. That is the highest point in our maturity stage. And the beautiful thing is that we are not going to heaven to do that journey. We can do it here. So when you die as a believer right now, the level of your maturity will determine where you will appear in heaven. That is why you cannot appear at where Paul is when you die. Because by now, the level of maturity that Paul had attained before he died, he might be somewhere else that you might never see him. The same heaven, but we are in heavenly places. We are all in Christ, but we are in heavenly places. So we should take note of these things. That is why we are all not the same. And this one is not because we have faith in Christ. It is because of the works that we do. May the Lord help us and grant us divine grace in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Our time is fast spent, so we will end here and continue God willing tomorrow. So please, exactly 12 a.m. GMT, we are going to meet for priesthood time. Make sure you join us. The Lord bless you and keep all of you strong in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Right after here, I'm going to upload the message. So if you missed anything, kindly go and download and listen to it. The Lord bless you and favor you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. We shall meet. Shalom. Bye-bye. Please don't forget your communion wine and bread when joining priesthood time. God bless you.